0: This started because it was my first poster up here, (laughs) (laughs) three days of gray skies in Florida. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? I can't have gray (laughs) skies. So I literally drew my own sunshine and I said, I am my own sunshine. And it says, I love taking up space.
1: to so another episode of Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgianne, and here we have today with us Dana Kaplan, and she's going to be telling us her story and her journey as an entrepreneur, as well as her background. So Dana, I'd love for you to give us an introduction of yourself.
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm often asked, what's your story? And I'm like, oh my God, that's a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> I- <laughs> I am originally from the Deep South in in Columbus, Georgia, and I have been, as a little girl, I was constantly navigating life and curious about the concept of fitting in, um, a a topic that many people never wanted to talk about, um, and what we do to fit in versus our birthright of belonging. And so along this process of growing up in the South and never quite understanding like where my place was or what I was allowed to do or um and and really understand the fact that I am a neurodiverse learner, which was never talked about, right? And like having all of these different um experiences, I felt very alone um, thinking that I was the only person, you know, a white Jewish girl from the deep South rocks being thrown at me, or, um, I didn't understand what was going on a test. And so I had to like look over at a friend and ask for help during the middle. You know, there's so many points in our life that were like, what could have happened if we actually used our voice, what would have uh-huh. happened if we actually asked for help? What would have happened if we actually said, I do not understand. And those, three points um, have propelled me into the direction that I'm in now. So I went into fast forward college and grad school and started multiple programs in Atlanta, Georgia, then moved to New York city and did the same. And regardless of all of the accolades and the awards and the praise, I still, there was something within the depths of me that still felt like I didn't belong or I wasn't good enough or something was missing. And until I really got quiet with myself, and really realized that I'm the person that's being, I'm rejecting myself every time. Mm-hmm. I and I'm the person that's putting all this pressure on myself. And I'm the person that is unwilling to give myself grace. Um, and when I finally got really quiet and allowed myself that space to understand it, doors have opened up and the world has looked differently and my personal passion and my purpose in the world has never faltered. It's always, always been about children and having them know how to use their voice and how to advocate for themselves and to know that they belong in every space. The interesting piece is that I didn't believe that about myself despite teaching it. And so until I finally really put myself in alignment and like, when I say put myself in alignment, like cried, gross, snotty cry and (laughs) I was very angry, owned my emotions, worked through my emotions, worked through all of these different um, experiences. I finally am now in a place where when I left the classroom and my intention was to create a, a, a platform, a universal platform for every single child, regardless of the color of their skin, the language they spoke, the age, wherever they are, their demographics, that everyone can access an environment. So they feel included because we all belong. And when I finally got really, really, really clear on how I was going to do and make all of that happen, it started because I was finally feeling that for myself. And so that piece wow. is really important because the only way I can help children, the only way I can help families, the only way I can create a mentally healthy environment, wherever I go for everyone, it's, I have to believe that about myself first. So that's a big piece of my story is knowing that I'm responsible for me and I'm my own validation and my own answer and to trust. So those are big pieces that because of the impact that they've had on my trajectory thus far in life, it's a big piece of what I do with everyone that I work with.
1: I, I love that. I love you just being so authentic and just dabbing in from the start. And we're going to, there's some pieces I was thinking of some pieces <laughs> I want to pull on and ask you about, but, you know, let's, let's start off from the beginning, right? When did you re- realize um, as an individual or through the support of outside of resources that you were new or diverse? Like, how did you, you know, come to that conclusion or get that term assigned to you? Like, how did that, how did you discover that? That's a great
0: question. So I always knew I learned differently. I, there's, okay. I have three siblings. They were either photographic memory, auditory memory, very, very, very intelligent. And I had to work so hard, like really, oh. really hard. Like I had my own, I mean, as you can see here, like this color, all of mm-hmm. these colors behind me, I teach kids how to do this because it's a wonderful strategy to know how you learn. And so I learn through color. So I have, I created my own way of learning and making sure that I was clear on what I needed. So from post-its to posters, to what have you, the term neurodiverse is so new in our, in our language. And that's why I'm using Definitely. it now. I, I always joke that I had ADHD, but I was never diagnosed until three weeks before I left the classroom. So the doctor, when the doctor said, I was like, thanks, put another label and limit on me. And he said, like, no, i <laughs> serious. And I was like, So am I. I was like, I can have ADHD, but here's the reality. It's my Uh superpower. It's how I've been able to do what I've done with Uh so many different children and navigating. When in in New York City, your classroom in kindergarten, because that's where my heart and soul was in the classroom, you could only have 25 kids. But at any one time, I had 35 to 40 kids in my class because so many kids needed a resource to come out of their own space because it wasn't working for them, right? Uh So For anyone to be able to manage kindergartners and then (laughs) all the graders, like (laughs) hours going on there, right? But all that being said, what I did discover is that once I did leave the classroom and once, and when the pandemic hit, It was time for me to start taking meds. It was time for me to start getting curious about how am I not focused? How am I not using my energy to propel me forward? How is it hurting me, right? And so when I use the term neurodiverse, I use it intentionally now because I want to destigmatize all of these labels and limits. We have to look at the invisible disabilities that people have not as a barrier, but as an opportunity to learn. And so it's much easier much safer for all of us to know, I can actually come forward and say, I learned differently so that you can accept me and figure out a way to connect with me instead of putting up this, well, you have to do it this way. This Uh is the only way, right? So it's really important that I come forward both as an educator, as an advocate and an ally, right? Educator, advocate and ally for everyone because at the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. I mean, I was on the phone with insurance this morning for over an hour. And when I tell you I was crying in gratitude because they were so helpful, we hear horrible stories about people in insurance not wanting to help you, right? And yeah. then I have all this information here. If I had not called because somebody instructed me to call, um, I would have known, right? And then when I was on the phone with them, I said, I didn't know to even ask that question you don't know what you don't know. So you have Absolutely. to be willing to ask for that help. But if you're not modeled, if you're not shown, if you're not encouraged to do any of that. Mm-hmm. How can you? So today I choose to use the word neurodiverse because more often than not, when people hear that word, they think you're on the spectrum. And i love to see people's reactions of when I say that, because all of us are neurodiverse. We don't know exactly, exactly. So let's just put out this big blanket and wide and far across the entire globe. And we all sit there and that's accessibility and inclusivity because we all
1: belong. Yes. And, you know, you again, you touched up on so many points because I think it's important. Right. And. like you mentioned people you you had joked or somebody had joked that you know you you have adhd and and it's your ability like that's your superpower there have people have said that you know people have said some to me like you more likely have adhd or um like you can't focus like you just how are you able to do all these things and i'm you know i haven't gotten an official test or anything but i know that I am, all, I too am neurodiverse, like how I learn, how I see things immediately from looking at something. And like I said, everyone has different learning abilities in the way they learn. And there's like this um quote or this um, like saying, it's like, you can't ask like an uh, elephant and a fish to climb a tree in the same way in which you would a monkey, right? We see that example often. And I think we see that, but we don't really pay attention to it. And it, it just means that everyone has different um, is wide with different skill sets you know back in the day when um, we, we categorized it a little bit differently you know and not back in the day recently but you know hundreds of millions of years ago where just like the hunter gatherers there were certain people that were better at fishing certain people that were better at you know using the spears and people that were better at you know making clothes et cetera, and et cetera. and it's because of the way they see things some people you know the fashionable who would have thought to make you know use leaves and these plants to make outfits and fashion <laughs> and now we look at it yeah. and it's like nostalgic or whatever but because of the way you think you you can see this we could all look at the same problem the same material the same resources and every one of us one person may think oh this is not enough another person may think this is more than enough and another person may think this is perfect i could use it to do xyz i could sell it I could. there's so many ideas that flow from it so i really love how you know you're you're bringing recognition to not only this term, but the way that people learn and think, and then applying it to the next generation of students. So you mentioned, you know, when we were um, teaching, it was primarily with uh, younger children. So what is the audience, you know, tell us a little bit about your business, like exactly what your company does and like how you do your work. And then what's your audience for it? So it's a wonderful question.
0: And everyone that I'm working with, as far as like my team of people from my web designer to my marketing people, they're like, Dana, narrow, get it narrow. (laughs) Struggle. And it is a real struggle. And I'm very, very honest about it. I am a master early childhood educator, which means oh, that my, my focus and attention is on early childhood from birth to second grade in New York, from birth to sixth grade in Georgia. And, you know, every state has its own criteria of what early childhood education looks like. Uh-huh. the reason that i'm a master in what i do is because of stepping back and remembering that within each of us there are moments in our life when our younger self was excited and we oh, still get excited wow. today as an adult and there is moments when we are triggered and those triggers can take us down a really rough space And you don't have to experience the big trauma, a big T or a little T, right? We hear the word trauma a lot. We all experience trauma. There's no comparison in your trauma. So when pre-pandemic, when I first, so to be clear, I was in the classroom until June 2018, took a year of like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And the one constant theme was that wherever I went, regardless of, of staying in the U.S. or going internationally, children must be seen, heard, valued, and loved and if they don't feel like they're being seen and heard they definitely don't feel like they're valued or loved so from australia to italy to greece <laughs> to the united states it's the same theme it's the same theme and so when i came back and i was ready like focused ready to go i went to schools public schools private schools all in new york first and I kept hearing the same story. We're totally seeing our kids. We're totally doing all this. And I was like, okay, if you're doing it, why is our suicide rate up? Why are kids so depressed? Why are kids leaning towards substance abuse? Why are parents fighting with their kids so much? Where's the communication that you're teaching, right? So there are all these little moments and I'm collecting so much data. And right before, so in December, I finally decided it was time for me to launch my business instead of staying with the Department of Education. So I resigned from the Department of Ed in New York City, launched okay. my business. and I was first about to start how I ran my classroom, where it was um, supported by higher economic families so that lower economic families could join as well. So, so like a sliding
1: scale kind of format. <laughs> so perfect.
0: I wanted to make sure that it was accessible and inclusive for belonging, because at the end of the day, we're all diverse. Diversity, mm-hmm. diversity. But I have to make sure that we create an accessibility for all to feel included, right? We mm-hmm. have to get that common language. We have to hear what's happening in your home versus my home. That word and over across the street means something completely different from where I'm sitting right now. Language, yeah. Language is so critical and it's not about speaking and it's just english right i'm not even talking about foreign. <laughs> i'm talking english right and so we have to bring people together so that they can really bridge our humanity right there's no way we can do any of that and then covid hit so everything went off the side My whole purpose was just helping families survive and working with kids and making sure they were getting extra attention and support for academics while also putting the forefront of emotional intelligence in front. But the problem and the struggle was that it wasn't enough. Like it just wasn't enough. How much time can you give a kid online that their brains were not supposed to be learning online? I don't know about you, but I didn't take my first online course until I was a junior in college and I hated it. Let me be very clear on that. Yeah. So, if I'm watching these recordings as a junior in college, kindergarten, first, second, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, like what's going on here? And we're, we don't have transition. We're not getting up from our seat to go put our folders away. We're not doing moving classes if you're in high school. Like, there's so many elements that are not happening. Got a lot. Yeah. Parents aren't going over to the, To the coffee room and getting coffee, they're just in front of their desks all day. Like the movement's gone, the connection is is lost, and the lack of communication is so profound, right? Uh So pre-pandemic, my focus was really and truly early childhood. But because and I would help, I do, I would work with kids that were in middle school and high school around emotional intelligence, around them, recognizing who they are at the core and helping them pull forward, especially with essay writing. Essay writing is one of my favorite writing in itself is one of the most profound ways of expression. Um, So I would work with older kids, but my, my core was really with younger. And then the pandemic happened. And because the brain development wasn't occurring and we lost two years of brain development through socialization and emotional intelligence, through real life experiences, I now work with everyone because Mm -hmm. if you were in high school, depending on where you were in high school, you're not only two years back from the the pandemic, you're also back wherever your personal development is. So now the the, the group that I work with is roughly three years old to 25 years old. I just spoke actually on Friday with a group of graduates um, and they were crying at the end. And I was like, oh God, okay, is this a good cry or bad <laughs> cry? Like, I and mean, we're like, we have not allowed ourselves to go there. We have not allowed ourselves to get real about the pandemic, our families, our families not, want. I mean, I'm getting like emotional just telling you this, like our families not wanting us to go off and leave the state because of so much paranoia of like what they experienced. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm listening to kids that receive scholarships to grad school. And now they're having opportunities to go out to California for fellowships and their family doesn't want them to go. Uh, And it's like, we can't live in this fear. So now I work, so now I work with three to 25 year olds really focusing on what is fear and how is fear supposed to propel us forward? How do we bring ourselves so much calm and safety within that I get to go off and make that choice. So and yes, I, I work with parents very closely because, especially for the younger ones, there's no way I can get to the younger ones unless the parents contact her. Involved, oh, well, yeah. And so, like, even as I'm talking to you now, like I'm, I have to bring safety to my system, and I intentionally bring safety to my system because my intention in the world is so big that we can have these uncomfortable conversations, like what we're having right now, and to, to be honest about it. You know, mm-hmm. there's no way that we can help. Today's youth thrive. There's no way we can help parents thrive. Like, regardless of what age you were in during the pandemic, it has affected you in such a profound way. And unless you're willing to really get real, get honest, talk about your anger, talk about the sadness, talk about the loss, talk about the grieving, talk about everything, right? I mean, I'm only in Florida because the pandemic happened. I never in my life would I ever thought
1: I'd in <laughs> I hear that. I hear that a lot. She's like, no, I, no plans for attending Florida.
0: <laughs> I am the most progressive, like trailblazer. Don't abide by rules. Like, like one of my things, I like want to go and wrap myself in a gay flag and walk into every single public school in Florida right now. Like, I don't do this, right? But I'm here because I had to get really honest with myself. I have to be outside. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That is my mental health. I will not die because I ignored what my body needs, what the chemistry of my body needs. And I need warmth and sunshine. And in order for me to help the world, I have to first take care of myself.
1: Love that, And I, that, that last line that you just said, I want to say it again, because it's so critical. I, ha, in order for me to help the world, I have to take care of myself because it is so easy as entrepreneurs, as doers, as people that get energy from the thing that we do and love what we do and just are passionate and connected and just emotional about it. it, it, it the thing that we do in us are just all mushed up together and tangled we can get lost into it. So the entanglement gives a sense of closeness, but also allows us to easily get lost. And we, I've seen many times, and I have done it myself, where we're putting the work that we're doing in front of who we are and what we need to exist. You have to feed yourself. You have to features, not just food-wise, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially, right? Another thing that um, was, was a big one um, for me personally was like the financial part, because it was just like, you know, I love what I do. I didn't, you know, there's a quote, you, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. But guess what? The society that we live in, money is important. And you have to work a day in your life to maintain and exist in this world. Um, and like I said, water, sunshine, definitely two elements are very, that are very important to me as well. And you, you feel it. You know, winter months come, pandemic hit, and I think it was an opportunity for us to all rethink of this autopilot that we were on. Just go to work, do this, 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 in in version A. And I think what happened with virtual was it was a was a catalyst. Uh, the pandemic was a catalyst to forcing us to recognize that everyone learns differently. Because we knew, okay, yes, people people were aware of it, but now that we have to completely go digital we all had to change the way we learned. And then that highlighted to us, wow, do other people learn differently all the time when there's not a pandemic? And we had to now pay more attention to this accessibility um, and just kind of not thinking of it as, okay, yeah, we're, we're doing something for a certain small group of people, but no, this thing needs to be for everyone. And some people may need it more than others right but it is across the board subtitles captioning voiceovers different colors you know and so what i want to talk um about here and we're almost halfway but i definitely want to touch up on this point before we do that you mentioned writing and colors is very important to you and if folks are watching the video version um you know you could see these posters um behind Dana can you tell us a little bit about that what you know, I see some of them are like affirmations or sayings, you know, is it for the teaching or, you know, how do you use them? Let's just start there. If it was written, it was very colorful. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that system.
0: And if every person that I work with takes that with them, if there's one lesson that I want every child, every parent, every grandparent, every, the janitor that holds the door for me when I wash my hands running out of the bathroom because I'm late for the next conference, like the airplane pilot, take up space, take mm-hmm. up space. You know, I, um, I recently I've been flying a lot mm-hmm. and and getting back into schools, which has been amazing. And so in doing so, um, the mandate of, of masks are no longer On airplanes. And to put this in perspective, the day that I flew back from Florida in 2021 was the day that you no longer had to have a person in between every other person. So Mm -hmm. here it is I'm flying and there's someone sitting next to me, and I'm like, you know, freaking out, even though I have Mm -hmm. a mask on. And I am vaccinated at this point. I have both doses, not been sick. I wasn't aware. I wasn't paying attention to the news. I wasn't paying attention to new mandates. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I'm so purposeful and making sure that I take up space, that I don't want to look at where I have to be cautious. So the woman next to me was so kind, my head's like burning with joy from this moment. I looked at the woman next to her to me and I was like, listen, I'm not going to apologize for how I'm feeling. I just want you to know that this is all very new for me. I have been predominantly by myself, you know, since Mm -hmm. November and working with everyone virtually, but still traveling around Florida and being outside the whole time that this is the tightest space that I've been in. And she looked at me, she goes, I get you. I flew down today to look at a house for my mom and I'm flying back to let her know that I think it's a go. That means I have to take her back down here, which means that the people that have been in my physical space won't be there anymore. And we bonded over the fact of During this time, I I taught my students that during the pandemic, it really needed to be called physically distancing and socially gathering, right? Because we were socially coming together, but we just need to physically get away from one another. And then fast forward last week or two weeks ago, excuse me, I was flying and that's when the mask mandate was lifted and I was freaking out. You know, I'm sitting there with my mask on on an airplane and I hear people coughing without a mask on. And I'm like, what can we do to support one another? How can I take up more space to make sure that I feel safe right now? And I just kept telling myself, take up space. You are safe. Taking up space is safe. And that piece right there is so important because every I would would honestly say 85% of the plane was maskless one stewardess had her mask on. And then there were, there were the majority of people that did have the more kids that had the masks on. And I just, I just thought, you know what? I can do what I want. I'm going to take up space. I'm taking care of myself. And that's what taking up space is. Taking up space is about being loud. It's not about being obnoxious. It's not about, you know, being, causing mayhem. It's about taking up your physical space your emotional space, your energetic space, because Mm -hmm. all of that is yours. It's all yours. And so this poster is really important because it's generally the first one that people see. And then they see my after after, and they see like my puzzles that I made for myself. And I like needed a few things going on. This is before, by the way, this is before Wordle became a thing. I didn't even know And one of my students, are you making your own world? And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but thanks for telling me. Um, And then of course the New York times bought it, but like, that's how disconnected I am from like looking at the news on a continuum looking from like, because I need to know what's going on, but I also don't want the fear to come back in Mm -hmm. on that. So right. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, um, a lot of these are for me. But the majority is for the people that
1: get to read them, like yourself. Wow, wow. I love that. Like it, it's for me, but it's a gift to us all. Um, yeah. And now we're about uh, halfway through, and so I want to ask you: You know, what is one of the misadventures that you've experienced in business um, since you've you know embarked on entrepreneurship? Uh, it can be something that was totally unexpected, or something that well that didn't work out so well, or something totally unexpected, and it went great Um, but what is a road bump uh, a misadventure that you've experienced as an entrepreneur
0: so I'm going to answer your question but I want to be really clear on I don't necessarily think it's a misadventure from being an entrepreneur it's a misadventure from not paying attention to myself Uh. red flags when red flags would happen around communication right like you're you're like you have a phone call at five o'clock they, the other party misses that call. They text you 20 minutes later and say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Something came up. Can we just text about this? And I kept being like, You know what? I know when I see you, everything's going to be fine. I know when I see you, everything's going to be fine. But people show you who they are. Yeah. And my responsibility to stop trying to sugarcoat it, uh-huh. trying to make it different from what it really is. People are who they are. And that's wonderful. And my mishap, my misadventure was getting angry with people for not doing how I do. And that is the biggest lesson and the most powerful lesson because expectation is the demise of everything. If you guys are not on the same page, if you're not on the same page, there goes the destruction. It's like this avalanche that happens, and then like the earthquake, and then like, you know, all this like crazy catastrophic natural disasters organically happen, right? Because it starts with lack of communication. And so I share that because even before I became an entrepreneur, even when I had, you know, my principal, even when I had somebody else with me, um, I saw how communication wasn't happening, but I ignored it. And I saw how communication has either propelled me forward and allowed me to do what I want to do, Um, And allow everyone else to do what they want to do. And for everyone to thrive, like for everyone to thrive because we're communicating, it's just, it's magic. It's pure magic. And when it doesn't happen, it's my responsibility to step back and ask myself, what do I need to do? What have I not done well? Who do I need to speak with? Who am I not listening to? Right? Listening to learn. Um, and how, what shifts do I need to happen, right? And that's, that's really what it comes down to. And I think um, that life lesson, that awareness of me being vulnerable and honest and asking for something as basic conversation and communication has now allowed me to, to work only with aligned clients, which is like heart So that mishap has now allowed me growth, Um, that misadventure. um, I don't want to call it a misadventure because I I appreciate every single learning that happened in the process and and all the tears and the, the stress and the sleepless nights. I appreciate because I don't want to do that anymore. Right. Those lessons I've learned so that I don't have to keep experiencing the same lessons and now I can move forward in a different way.
1: Love that. Love that. And I want to re- say again, one of the things that you said here, you said expectation is the demise of everything and meeting people where they are just clarifying the expectations all around, because you may be expecting them to do this big grand gesture. And they're just like, well, the normal way I work is by doing this nice one, nice, small thing, this really nice, small thing. And you're like, I need grand and big and amazing and magical And then when you don't get grand and amazing, big and magical, you're disappointed. And then they're just like, but I did the thing that I always do. I I put real thought into this and it was my nice thing. Why don't you appreciate it? And then, you know, we're just kind of on different planes and just missing each other all the way around. Um, So, you know, thank you so much for for sharing that. And as we move into more of our conversation, I want to ask you about like, you know, where do you see the work going next, right? We hear, heard a lot about the beginning. We heard a lot about where you are now. Um, But where do you see yourself in another five uh, to ten years?
0: Oh, my God, I have the chills. I like literally like this like pure joy. I will be speaking nationally and internationally in all schools. My first right now over the next year. Um, I would like to be in at least 25 different schools in 25 different cities, excuse me, 25 different districts. So 25 different districts, meaning wherever, uh, across the U.S., because I want to make sure that we are really doing diligence to middle America, that we're really doing a d- diligence to lower economic spaces, that we're giving children the opportunities to thrive, and that we're also giving parents opportunities to learn along with their kids. I think it's really important. One of my favorite memories when I first started out in education, um, my first year teaching, I always had parents come into my classroom. Well, I've always had parents come into my classroom. That's just how I roll. But the school that I taught at was John Hill Elementary School in the Atlanta Public School District. And the families, a lot of the parents needed a lot of help Like parallel to the students. They didn't know how to read. Um, you know, making sure that they're eating nutritious foods versus high sugar foods, like basic life skills that weren't being taught. I was teaching to these parents and to watch parents walk out, knowing how to read and to see the joy on their face that so they could actually do something independently. is so important. And so that's that's really where I'm at. By by the end of 2023, I will be in at least 25 different districts, meaning that that can mean as many schools within that district as possible. And simultaneously, I'll be reaching out internationally to be getting into other schools and organizations and speaking with people that believe so much in giving back and making sure that they're putting that money where their mouth goes, right? Putting it into action. I don't wanna see kids being told, well, we're going to help you in this department, but nothing happens. That's why we are still experiencing a mental health crisis on top of the pandemic, right? The pandemic clearly clearly impacted all of us mentally and, and emotionally and socially. But the reality is, is that the substance abuses and the, the way people are abusing exterior opportunities, and I use the word opportunity intentionally because some kids see drugs as an opportunity to get out of where they are, to release, to get them out of that space being stuck. And they want to have a sense of freedom so they use the drugs to get away from who they really are so it's really you know and so we have to really teach them what is an opportunity what really is a possibility for you right and to to have all of these important conversations with leaders that are putting back in they're putting back in they're literally learning and pouring back into the environment um and so the that's that's where i see and i would love to tell you where i see myself in 10 years but I I will let you know what happens. I will honestly let you know what happens. I'm, I'm most excited for where I am now. Um, And to sit here on May 4th, 2022, and to see already what has happened within four months of this year, you know, people are my, my parents, my dad specifically, he's always like, Oh my God, time slipping so fast. And I'm like, I gave myself the first three months of 2022 to do X. And not only have I done all of it, I've exceeded it. So now mm-hmm. it's time for Q2 to see it in action, right? Q1 mm-hmm. was networking and making sure that everything was, all the seeds were planted and watered. And now I'm literally watching them grow and like taking the fruit inside. And I'm excited. I'm I'm honestly like, I cannot wait to see children come out on the other side, telling their teachers, I need you to reteach that lesson. Mm-hmm. I need you to reteach the entire lesson. I'm not ready for this test. I don't even understand <laughs> what you're talking. I cannot wait to hear kids. I cannot wait to see the caption that says, Dana came in to teach a lesson and now kids won't stop talking. That's like, that will, that is the, no amount of money will ever be able to take
1: away from that. Yeah, thank you. And I have two final questions for you. The first one is, Just around how you, you mentioned a little bit in different areas of um, maintaining your mental health, but is there any tools or resources specifically that you could recommend, um, you know, whether it's services or products that folks can use to manage their mental health as founders, Um, and you've had to tackle this in different ways, but just as entrepreneurs, as founders, um, are there any resources or tools that you'd like to share?
0: so there is this one app that i that i use for myself and then i also use for my students depending on their age what, what grade they're in it's called tapping solutions tapping cool. is a wonderful way to move energy out of your body um it's i am i work out all the time but but tapping gets it out in a different way um it's a really important tool to be able to like pull your body down and to talk about where the anxiety is and to release it into the world and And let it go from yourself um and then i also i haven't done it in a while but it was um let's see if i can find it it was a meditation app um i'll have to um, i forgot the name of it there was a meditation app and the the guys from oh my mind is blanking it's a meditation the color
1: by chance because i maybe i I don't want to say
0: it's it's either yellow or orange oh Oh, okay Headspace, thank you. I just found it. I was like, clearly I haven't done it in a while because I've been so into tapping. But Headspace is another great one that I do. I actually have a lot of parents that do Headspace and their kids do the tapping. Um, so I'm I think it's great for for all of us to to really to take that pause. To really, it's like it's not just pausing, but it's like literally stop in the tracks, pause. And check in with your body. Do I need to sit here and breathe by myself and tell myself that I'm safe with my hand on my heart? Do I need to move energy out and do the tapping? Do I need to sit there and listen to someone talk me through and you know calm my body down with me? Do I need to go for a run? Do I need to go, am I hungry? Right, there's like so many variables going on in that space.
1: Awesome. And then our final question is, what piece of inspiration or motivation would you want to leave the listeners with?
0: Mm-hmm. knowing that your intuition is your guide trusting yourself and believing so deeply in who you are and what you're doing no matter what anyone else ever says to you is the most mm-hmm. profound gift you can give yourself it's literally your opinion it's the only opinion because you know what you need you're the only person yeah. in it.
1: yes thank you you definitely know what you need and honoring what you know um you know people may give suggestions but you you at your core you'll know you may try to dismiss it, but it will always pop back up. Um thank you so much for being here with us, uh Dana and audience, if you are listening or watching, definitely look at the show notes and or the description box below to find out a little bit more about Dana, how to connect with her social media, uh website, and all the things. Uh, bring her into your schools. Let's help ha- her ha- help her get to those 25 districts across the country and around the world. Um, and yes, thank you so much again for being on the show today, Dana. And we will catch you all in another episode of doing the most in this adventure of entrepreneurship bye everyone